woke up this morning about six, and um, well, I didn't get out of bed till six, but the Lord woke me up about six. And he asked me a question. He said, um, "Have you ever noticed how Cornelius treated Peter?" I said, "No, sir. I never noticed that." And he said, "You need to go read it." And we're going to start off with uh, Cornelius getting born again, and we're going to talk about honor, and we're going to talk about revering God and revering the things of God, which is really the key to a move of God. It is. Without reverence, God ain't even coming to your church. So we're going to start right there, and again, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into it. Go to Acts 10.24, and while you're going there, I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you for this evening. Thank you for the word. Everything I say tonight, I pray that they hear it from you, if it's from you, and that we would learn something about honoring you and honoring one another and uh, how, to, how to be an honorable people. And uh, we just ask you, I just ask you to bless this service and help me and give me utterance in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Starting with Acts 10, 24, I want to start here and just let me read it. The following day they entered Caesarea and Cornelius was waiting for them. And he called together his relatives and his close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet, and he worshipped him. And Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up. I myself am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. And he said, You know it's unlawful for a Jewish man to keep company with one who's another nation. But God showed me I should not call any man common or unclean. You can go back and read the story before that if you want to. Many of you know it. Therefore, I came without objection, and as soon as I was sent, you sent for, I asked, what is the reason you sent for me? Then Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, now you understand, this guy's not even saved. And as we're reading, I want you to grab the revelation of what it was that God saw in him that caused God to move. Even a man, not a Christian, is praying and he's getting God's attention. This is a huge, this is pretty huge. That's what the Lord said to me this morning. Cornelius, verse 21, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are come as remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and, and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. And when he comes, he will speak to you, and I sent you immediately, and I have done well to come. Therefore, we are all present before God to hear the things commanded you by God. This man is treating the word of God and the man of God very honorably. He is a sinner praying, seeking God and already giving in the kingdom, and he's not even born again. Now, he gets God's attention, and God visits him and says, send for Peter. Now, Peter's like, what? He just comes along and says, for what reason did you call me? And, and, he, and the angel told him, send for Peter. 
And I want you to notice that when Peter got there, he had invited his whole house, all of his servants, all of his family, and all of his friends in his house and said, come and hear what this man has to say. Yeah. Wow. Let me read the rest of this, and I'm going to share something with you about Christians I've met overseas. And, um, and Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus, he's Lord of all. And the word you know, which was proclaimed through all Judea and began with the Galilee and baptism of John, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy Ghost and power, who went around doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things. Now, he starts off, and he just he just started to preach to him what what he's been through. That's all, all he's doing is going, well, okay, okay, let's. Let's start from the beginning. I met Jesus, and I was a fisherman, and and he's just telling the story of what happened. Now, listen to what happened, and he gets down to it. It says, well, he says, to him and the prophets witness that through his name, and whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And while Peter is still speaking, he's not even preaching, he's just talking, Holy Ghost fell on everyone who heard the word of the circums and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out on the Gentiles and they heard him start talking in tongues. Now, I want you to get this. He's just in a he's in a house with people. He's telling the story of Jesus and I mean the minute they heard what Jesus did, they no altar call. They just went, yeah, and started talking. I mean, they all got born again hearing it and instantly started talking in tongues so much that they're all standing there going, oh, my God. And they aren't even Jews. So so these people are sitting around here going, well, and Peter kind of goes, I guess we ought to be able to baptize them. I mean, he's not like preaching. He's not like praying. I mean, he's just out telling them what happened. What about Jesus? And and these, this guy has so much reverence for God that he has, I want you to think, he's got his family, he's got his friends. I mean, he's really honoring what God said. Gather them all up and send and hear what this guy has to say. That's huge, guys. Anytime there's reverence, God will show up. Anytime there's not, he ain't coming. You know, we often hear about miracles overseas, and people in America, they talk about miracles, miracles you know, and they, we have this attitude, and, I, and I'm, I'm American. I'm American, too. Well, how come we hear about Reinhardt Bunky and people getting out of wheelchairs and blind eyes open? Because these people walked for eight days to get to a meeting. There, there, there are people overseas. Um, Kevin McNulty went to a town in Russia, and he, I think it was in Bulgaria or or Ukraine. I, I, please forgive me, I've forgotten. And he was walking through town with a couple of Russians, and he stands up on a the, on this concrete thing. It was like on the edge of a building, and he, and he starts preaching the gospel, and he gets a crowd of about fifty people 
that gathered to hear him preaching about Jesus. They're very interested. I mean, they've been under oppression so long. Good news sounds good. So Kevin preached, and then he had to take the two Russians, put them on the train, da-da-da, and, and, and he never went back, never went back to that town, never went, never, never, never. So about 10 years later, they called Kevin and Leslie and said, we would like for you to be the keynote speaker at our church. And he goes there, and there's a thousand-member church that started that day, and that's not all. They have, I think, a hundred other churches. Now, let, let me tell you something. They heard the word. You know, you hear about people in China. That out of the whole church, they all have one Bible. I mean, they, there's so much reverence for God over there. And, and, and I mean, in other nations right now, when they get a copy of the Bible, it is like gold. And I don't mean a copy. Some of them a page. All right. So I want you to understand something. Uh, verse 44 through 48, I read that. The, 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 way, the way this man treated the Word of God, the way he treated Peter, the way, go to Luke 7. I got a bunch of scriptures tonight, so, so bear with me. Just bear with me. You do anyway. Y'all always so good. You've already expected you come here, he's going to read a lot of scripture. That guy, I mean, he just reads a lot. Somebody told me today, and I think it was Lisa, or somebody made a statement, and they said, you know, isn't it neat the way in, in, in some churches they come in and say, when they read the word, all rise, and I said, well, they don't want to do that in my church. Good God, people be jumping up and down. Because <laughs> they read one scripture and stop, and I read 50. So y'all be up, down, up, down. Well, you wouldn't have to go to the gym when you got out of here. I mean, you can you do your squats when you do you. All right, Matt, Luke 7, 36. Oh, help me, Lord. Verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, and she knew that Jesus was at the table in the Pharisee's house, and she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood up at his feet behind him, weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to him and said, If this man were a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is, touching him. The problem is he didn't know what manner of man he was. And Jesus answered, He's only thinking. Jesus is answering something he was thinking. Think about that a few minutes. Don't think I haven't done it. There's sometimes I hear you thinking, and God lets me hear you thinking. I'm going, oh. There was a, Jesus says, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me which of them will love him more. And Simon said, I suppose the one who forgave more. He said, you rightly judge. And he turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. I want to stop right here and tell you he expected it. He expected it. it listen, there are 
there are people on the planet who have greater and lesser honor. Do them. Let me jump way ahead of myself. Children, honor your what? Your parent, that it may go well with you. In our society today, not all of us, but if we've missed it in one area, we need to teach children to respect elders and respect their parents. And um, if your kid ever sasses you more than once, you need a spanking. Ours, one of ours did once. The other two saw it and went, never. You don't talk to your mama like that. I brought you in the world, and I can take you out of it. You know, y'all exciting to talk to. All right, just, just, I, you know, it's funny you get on that and people, oh, my God, he's talking about kids again. All right. Where was I? Where was I? 44 Magnum. And he turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. And she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped it with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came in. You didn't even anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. She's loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, he loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table began to say, who, who, who does this guy think he is? And I want to read something to you. After I got up this morning, I went and dug Mark's book out. And I wanted to read a little bit of it. And I got a definition of honor in here. And I'd like to read it from Mark Hankins' book. It's very good. Yeah, this is a good book if you all ever want to read a good one. This is really good. To treat with great consideration, respect greatly, regard highly, treat with D-E-F-E-R-E-N-C-E. Help me. Deference. I knew you would know. You're quite the girl. And courtesy to treat as valuable and precious, esteem of the highest degree with dignity. What does it mean to treat with consideration? When you treat someone with consideration, you are making an effort to think of them before anyone else and you honor someone in the front of your mind to respect and regard. Honor is to treat with deference and courtesy. When you defer, you decide to choose one's other's interest above your own, to treat as valuable and precious. I want, we're going to talk about church and the Word of God. I want you, I want you to understand that God thinks highly of his Bible and his church. And he doesn't think highly of people who don't think highly of it. A lot of people are, are coming to God wanting prayers answered who lightly esteem the things of God. And I'm going to say it up front, don't bother because he's not going to answer you. Let's just get it straight. We, we have people now, and we're going we're to get into a scripture in a minute where we're going to talk about miracles. People want miracles. We want miracles. Why? 
so you can see one, so, so you can obey God. After you've been saved a while, like I said the other day, you should become a miracle. Go to Matthew 22 now. Let's talk, I mean, we really need to get into this. This is, this is you know, the other day when Mary Fran made the statement, there's coming a turn, I went online and started watching um, different different men of God that I trust, Mario Murillo and what's, what's the Jewish guy? It's incredible. Sid Roth. Sid Roth. And I noticed that, all of them are saying exactly the same thing, and and most of them don't know each other. There's a turn coming where God is bringing his body back to revering him and the things of God. Okay. Matthew 22 with me, verse 1. And Jesus answered and spoke to them and said in the parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And he sent him out, his servants, to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they are not willing to come. Now, we're going to read this, and you're going to go, mm, I don't preach a lot on parables, and I am, I'm probably going to start because I'm reading a lot more of them than I ever had. Again, he sent out other services. Tell those who are invited, I prepared a dinner. Actually, it's the word breakfast because it's the beginning of the gospel. And later, we're going to see that he had a dinner later on that's talking about our, our time. My oxen and my fatted calf are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. And they made light of it and went their way, one to their farm and another to their business. And I want you to know something. This isn't talking about the church. He's actually here talking about the Jews. So you're off the hook on this one. But I want to show you what he thinks of his invitation. He takes it real serious. The Jewish people have had a relationship with God for years and years and years and years, and they started taking it for granted. And when Jesus came, they're kind of like, we're Jewish. And yet when Messiah came and invited them to the feast, they all started making excuses on why they couldn't obey God. And, and if you know history, Jesus walked out of Jerusalem and turned it over to Rome, and they destroyed it because he invited them to a feast, and they said, well, we're kind of busy today. And he said, well, you're too busy for me. You're just too busy. Let, let, me, let me make a statement. God takes what he's doing high. He puts an enormous value on it. He puts a value on the word. He puts a value on church services. He puts a great value on men and women of God. He puts a great value on you. God wants you to value what he values. And I'm, I'm going to read this, but, I'm, but, but, but let, me, let me just say something to you. Well, let, let, me just, let me say this before I finish. The other day, Mary Fran called me on the phone and said, the Lord said for me to gather the pastors 
and have a meeting with you. And I'm calling you to see if you'll be there. And I said, yes. She goes, well, you're the first person I called. I said, we, me and Lisa and Justin will be there. She goes, okay. She said, you know, it's short notice. I said, I don't care. Listen, listen to what I said. So, I mean, we had, we had, go help me now because I've already done so much in two weeks. I don't even remember everything we've done. What were we doing before Mary Friend? Does anybody? No, no, yeah, no. Shekinah was after. Yeah, what, what were we doing before? What? The orientation. Then we went to Mary Friend. Then we had Shekinah. Then Bible school started, and I preached Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday. I mean, it's not like we didn't have anything to do. It's like we were, we were busy. And I went, yes, ma'am. You bet. And and um, and then we're, we're leaving Sunday to go to Mark's. No, Tuesday. Never mind. Then, Mary Fran, what was the night we got there? I'm, you have no idea how unorganized my head is when I have 100 things to do in a week. You, if I lose my day timer, I, I will be a total mess. Because I, I think I know what I'm doing tomorrow. I think I do. We arrived on Wednesday. Went Wednesday night. And then she said, we're having a prayer meeting in the morning. Some of y'all are tired and may not be able to come because of your travels. And I looked at Lisa and Justin and I said, we're going to the prayer meeting. When we walked in the prayer meeting, the Holy Ghost fell. We did not pray. She prophesied to every pastor in that room in great detail. And then she looked at us and said, I was wondering who would show up. You drive that far to a meeting and you're in your hotel room you're nuts. God had something he wanted to do. And if you aren't sold out, he ain't doing it with you. And she, we just got the, the, the zip drive. Is that what you call those things? I mean, she prophesied over me 10 solid minutes. And then she walked up to Lisa, and I'm not going to tell you what she said to Lisa. I'm going to leave Lisa to that. I'm just going to leave Lisa alone right now. But I will tell you this. She read my wife's mail to the dotted her I's, crossed her T's. And I'm going, OMG, you better watch what you talk about at home when you're standing in front of Mary Fran. And it was good. It was good. She didn't say anything bad to Lisa. But she just said, there's a direction I was leading you and blah, 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 blah. And I'm, gonna leave, I'm, I'm leaving her alone. I, I've decided to get out of Lisa and God. 
I'm going to stay out of God and Lisa's business. This time I'll say nothing and I'm going to let her do all the announcing. But, but anyway, nonetheless, the reason we were there is because we honor that gift. And we were back that night and the people were sitting around going, well, what were you doing in your hotel room? When the king calls you, dress up and you go. I had a, pre a minister friend of mine who's over me and the Lord called me one day and he said, um, I'll be in town and I want to have lunch with you. And I said, well, I'm busy. And he said, okay. He said, what restaurant do you want to meet at? And I, and I went, okay. Cancel what you're doing because I, I want to have. Do you all understand that? When Jesus says come, you just stop what you're doing. You don't have anything to do. All right. I'm getting it. This is where I wanted to go tonight. So I want to read this to you. Verse 5. They made light of it. They went their way, one to their farm, another to their business. And those are all valid things. But, but I know that not everybody here likes Trump. But because he's rich and the president, I use him. But if he calls me, I'm going to go to dinner with Trump. And I'm not going to show up in holy jeans. You might, but I'm not. And I'm telling you that for Mark Hankins, Mary Fran, Pastor Hagen, if he calls me and goes, I need to see you in Tulsa, Lisa's preaching or Justin's preaching and we're gone. I want you all to understand that. There's a thing called honor. All right. If Jesus has a feast, <laughs> you might want to get your invitation and clear your schedule. If God has a feet, you want to be there. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready for this. I don't have the scriptures. And Zechariah says when Jesus returns, he's going to call everybody on the earth to come to Jerusalem to the feast. And on anyone who doesn't come, it will stop raining on their land. I mean, he, when, he, when he returns the millennial reign, he, he ain't coming back as the lamb this time. He's roaring, and he's God. And if he tells you to come to Jerusalem, you are. Listen, if he tells you to go to church, you will be in church. You should now. This is a solemn assembly orchestrated by God. Not your day off. Well, see, uh, yeah, never mind, never mind. Verse 8, and he said, the service, the wedding feast is ready, and those who are invited were not worthy Go into the highways. I hope I didn't miss something. Okay, yeah, verse 7. The king heard about it, and he was furious. Someone said, God's not mad. Well, let me tell you something. You don't know God. If you think he don't ever get mad, you, you don't know how to read a Bible or something. Because I, there's a lot of stories in here where he's like, whoo. Okay. When the Jews rejected Jesus, that didn't set real well with God. 
All right, anyway, verse, verse 8, and he said to the servants, the wedding's ready. Those who invited were not worthy. Go into the highways, and as many as you find, you invite them to my wedding. And those servants went out in the highways and gathered together, and those found both good and bad. And wedding was, uh, hall was filled with guests. And the king came in. He saw the guests, saw there was someone who didn't have a wedding garment. He says, hey, friend, where's your wedding garment? Do you know the groom provided the garment? Did you know that when the wedding, when the wedding was taking place, that during a Jewish wedding, the groom buys the garment and sends it to your house? Did you know that Jesus has provided you with a robe of righteousness and and the garments of salvation, and he wants you showing up at the wedding in the righteousness of God? And don't you come walking in there without you being covered in the blood and wearing a robe of righteousness, because he's going to turn around and tell you, you, there's a door over there, and you hit it. Never mind, okay. Well, he's talking to Jews. Aren't we glad? Glory to God. He said, and the king said to the servant, bind him hand and foot and chunk him out. All right, that's not us. Aren't you glad? Glory be to God. But there's another story later on about a supper and people were busy. We had something to do. No, you don't. What do you have wasn't given to you? What do you have one given to you by the Lord? He gave you eternal life. He gave you righteousness. He gave you the Holy Ghost. He gave you eternal life. He gave you joy. He gave you peace. He gave you a church. Don't you ever look at him and say, I'm busy. Tells you to do something. Yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to get into a couple things on me in just a minute. Anyway, Malachi 1. Justin and I were talking a little while ago, and, you know, just because you something's good doesn't mean God wants you to do it. Amen. And I remembered when I got born again, I, I, I really, I really love T.L. Osborne. I really love going overseas. And one of the reasons is you stand up in front of 5,000 people, give an altar call, there's, I mean, the, the, they're getting born again, saved, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost. It is like fun. And I'm down in Cuba preaching. And I get back to Quesaltenango, Guatemala, and I'm walking around praying in the Holy Ghost. And the Lord said, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what do you mean, what am I doing here? I mean, I'm like, going all the world? He said, I didn't tell you to come here. I told you to go to Popka. Now go home. And I'm like, ow. Ow. Man, I didn't get no map and go. That's where I'm going. No, I didn't do that. I, I prayed until I found out where I was supposed to be. You get under the spout where the bl- you find out what God told you to do, and you go do what He told you to do, and you do it until He tells you to do something else. Well, we have a lot of people right now that uh, never mind. And I'm talking Ray grads here. Malachi, chapter one. Let's start with verse six. A son honors his father and a servant honors his master. If I'm your father, where is my honor? This is God is talking right now. It's, just, it's getting ready to get real good. If I'm a master, where's my reference, says the Lord of hosts. You preach to despise my name, and you say, in what way did we despise your name? Well, you've offered defiled food on my altar. You say, in what way did we defile you? You said, the table of the Lord is contemptible. 
and you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? Now, what are they doing? They're going out in their herd, and they're picking out the sorriest lamb they got. Now, don't take the good one. Uh, hold on a minute. That thing's about dead anyway. Can't sell it at the market. Let's give it to God. And God's going, don't you even bring that in here. You go out in your lot and you get the best you got because I'm a great God and I'm a great king and you ain't coming in here with no no Walmart gift. Mark Hank has made a statement. He says, I grew up in church. You know, you got to be aware someone wants to give you something if you're a pastor. And someone gave Lisa and I a camper one time and I I tried to take it and use it, and I just hauled it to the junkyard and dumped it. If you have a piece of junk, you haul it to the junkyard. <laughs> Call me up. You're going to give me something that you wouldn't use? If you want to buy me something, buy, get something new or just forget it. Am I doing a good job or not? I, just, I want your junk. God don't want your junk either. Why do you think the tithe is off the top? Don't take it off the bottom. Cut it off the top. Why do you think Sunday's the best day of the week? It's the best. That's the best day. Give it to God. Well, Pastor, you know, I, I won't be in church today, but I have to be back Monday because I have to be at work. Really? You're going to take off church, but you couldn't miss work. Oh, no, and the kids got to be in school to learn about what? Homosexuality and being transgender? And you can't even bring them into church? You're a fruitcake. I'm getting too strong now. I need to back off. Just Verse 8, you offer the blind as a sacrifice. Isn't that evil? And you offer the lame and the sick and evil. Why don't you offer that to your governor? Won't you take that down to the mayor of the city and won't you give him your junk? Let's, let's get on something else. You go to the doctor, you take off work. You go anywhere, you take off. You want to see me? I need to meet you after work. Why did you get that thinking? You know the highest ranking official in this city is me. My time is more valuable than the mayor and the, and the firefighter and the police chief and the judge. Because God didn't call any of them and anoint them to do nothing. And he certainly didn't call your doctor who's going to charge you an arm and a leg for an aspirin. And you're going to sit in his office for an hour while he decides whether he wants to meet with you. And then he's going to practice on you and you're going to thank him for it. And then you're going to come and want me to pray for you. Nothing's going to happen. Because you're esteeming the word lightly it has no value to you. Pretty strong. I'm, I, I, I didn't mean to get this strong, but I guess I just 
felt the anointment. Verse 9, now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Let me, let me skip that. Verse 12, you profane it and you say, the table of the Lord is detestable, it's food. Verse 13, you say, oh, what a weariness, and you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick, and you bring it as an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed is the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices the Lord what is blemished. I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Second Kings chapter 4. Are you all all right? I found something about people, and, and Lisa, I don't know the girl's name, and maybe I shouldn't bring it up, but she's real, during Shekinah glory, the little, there's a little girl right here, she goes to this church, young teenager, just worshiping God and loving Jesus, and, 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 when, and, and when the worship service ended, and she sat down, and she pulled her Bible out and a notebook and a pen, and when, when Lois was preaching, she's taking notes. Let me, let me tell you something about that girl. That girl could say, Heavenly Father, and God will go, what? Yeah. There's, a, there's an attitude, and, it, and you better believe it gets God's attention. And we have some young people. I'm just going to brag on the good ones. We're going to leave. There's some, there's some kids in this church that are little fireballs. Little Chloe Hayward. Now, I'm going to use Chloe as an example. I don't remember that other little girl's name. But let me tell you something. I've asked Lisa, where's Chloe? She goes, oh, she's in children's church today. I mean, that, that little old thing is, is total sold out, love Jesus with all her heart, and she is not even slowing up. And, and you know, when you watch that, there's so much reverence there. You don't when you sit around and, and you think, how come that girl gets her prayers answered? You might want to watch why that girl gets her prayers answered. And what's the other little girl's name? I don't. Addie, Allie. She leaves the church on Sunday morning. She comes by. She grabs me and hugs my neck and gives. I mean, she's just a just a little fireball. Amen. You watch people like that. God watches people like that. That's kind of like the woman that walked in and started washing his feet. I mean, you better believe Cornelius is like, oh, when the man of God comes, oh, my God, gather everybody. There's so much reverence for the word. Second Kings, no, yeah, Second Kings 4. Did I say, I got to find it. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in Samuel, so y'all just wait on me. I'm only a pastor. Second Kings 4, um, verse 8. It happened one day that Elisha went to Shunan, and there was a note. Y'all heard, what's her name preaches? There was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food 
so it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there and eat some food. And she said to her husband, now look, I know this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Let us make a small apartment room on the wall and put a bed there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so when he comes, he has a place. She's already feeding him, and now she's got him an apartment. Now, listen to me. You know why she's in the Bible? Because of what she did. She so reveres God and the things of God that she recognizes this is a man of God that's coming by, and he, and he has no place to stay. Fix a place in the house. Make sure that he's never lacking for food. That's when he turned to her to ask Gehazi, what is she needing? He said, she has no child. And he, and he said, well, by the time this time next year, you'll have one. And she said, don't you lie to me, man of God. Let me tell you something. She got God's attention because of her attitude toward the things of God. Now, we're not going to go there in the Bible, but you remember the story in the book of Romans that says, Jacob have I loved and Esau I hate. You've read that. Well, it isn't that God just went, I just hate him because I hate him. I don't care whether he did anything good or bad. I just hate the guy. That's no, no, no. God in his sovereignty doesn't pick out people to hate. You go back and read the story, and it says Esau despised his birthright. In other words, that all of that stuff daddy preaches, all of that stuff they talk about the Bible and about God, ah, give me a bowl of beans and you can have it. And the Bible says God hated him. And he gave, Jacob got the birthright, and God honored it even though Esau had a legal right to it. There's a lot of people who have a legal right to stuff, and they don't think enough of the Bible or God or the Word of God. They, I mean, it's like, yeah, I know, but. Ain't no but about it. People, God came to me one time and said, I tithe and it ain't working. I said, I wouldn't care if it worked or not, I'd tithe. If I had to move out and go mow a home in the trailer park, I'd do it. Listen, I'm not going to stop obeying God. I'm not, if, if it don't work, I'm still going to do it. This is, this is the guy that died on the cross in my place, rose from the dead, and sat down at the right hand of God and wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. If he wants 10% of my income, I'll give him 10% all day long. And if he wants me in church on Sunday, I'll get him go to church every Sunday. If I was down in hell and he said, what would you do to get out? I'd say, I'd give you everything. Why don't you just do it now? He's already earned the right. Why are you bringing him your trash? Your junk time. When you get a chance. Your your $20 bill. Listen, if if, if you, I liked what Mark said. If you have Mercedes living, don't you give no skateboard giving. One day Mark was preaching and I had just bought myself a new pistol. And he said, if you buy yourself a pistol, you need to buy God one. So I went down and bought Mark one. I said, yeah, I'm not going to live self-centered. If I, if, in other words, if you treat yourself well, I hope you're not the only person you treat well. We'll get into marriage in a minute if y'all want to. You know, your marriage would be good if you treated your wife like she was valuable and precious. If you treated the woman like she had some value. Not like, hey, woman, where's my slippers, my newspaper? Hey, dog, she ain't the dog. 
get up and get your cup of coffee in the morning. You get it. Your Bible says Hebrews. You get your cup of coffee in the morning. Treat her like treat her like she's God's daughter. The Bible says in in honor, preferring one another. Anyway, you notice that started with a man yet? You just give me some time. Now think about this woman for a minute. Because she got a hold of, later her son died, and she just packed it all up and went and found him. How is it? All is well. And he went, over, he went back there and found that boy lying dead in the bed, and he laid on that boy, nose on nose, toes on toes, belly button on belly button, until he raised that boy from the dead. See, that woman had already gotten a hold of the heart of God by the way she treated. See, I can tell you, let me, let me just stop right now. I'm going to tell you something. Y'all don't, y'all don't throw nothing at me. I can tell you how much you love God by how much you love me. Because he's good and I'm not. You don't come to church because of me. There ain't no preacher out there worthy of you. And you ain't worthy of no preacher. We go to church because of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did. If you're a part of a, of a, of a church that ain't right, well, then they need you since you're so perfect. But I can tell how much you love God by how much you love church, by how much you love the Bible, and how much you love Christians. Because you treat God the same way you treat people. If you don't like people, you're out of fellowship with God. Now, I understand I'm hard to get along with, but that's God put me in your life to work on your love walk. My God, I've had to work on my love walk ever since I walked in that man's church. I mean, my God, every once in a while I want to say something to that man. Well, love is patient, love is kind, hardly notice when others do it wrong. Glory be to God. Keeps no record of wrongs. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, God takes, let's come back to your wife for a minute. God takes real serious how you treat his daughter. Well, it's going to get quiet in this Baptist church now. And how you men treat your kids. And how y'all treat your husbands. That's God's son. God takes that real serious. I'm going to tell you a story right now. There was a man in America. I won't mention his name. That's wrong to do it. And he, uh, he got real jealous of Kenneth Copeland's TV program. And he got on television, he started trashing Copeland. He lasted three months, and God dethroned him. God takes real serious. Now, whether you agree with him or not, you can say, I don't agree with his doctrine, but don't you trash the man. God called him, and that man belongs to God. He don't belong to you. And he's none of your business. And if you don't like it, he can remove you. Since you, y'all out there, you go home. You, you, there's people right now online trashing, tongue talking and all that. You, you might want to stop. Do you understand you are talking about God, the Holy Ghost? And they're picturing Copeland and, and all these people on Facebook and all that and talking about and making fun of tongues. I'm going, you are not going to do well in this. That is bad, 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 buddy. You don't want to do that. Amen. If you're ignorant, you just be ignorant all by yourself, but don't broadcast your ignorance to everybody on the internet. 
Now, there's a lot of people I don't agree with, but they're still sons and daughters of God. I'm going to tell you a story because I'm ready for a story. You're ready for one. I had a guy, and his name, I'll tell you his name. His name's Carl Avon. Carl Avon was a lawyer. And Judy Brown had a Bible study in her house. And, um, and, and Carl was a Baptist. And Carl's wife was coming to Judy's Bible study. And the Bible study was for women only until one day I found out she's teaching Kenneth Hagin stuff and I got permission to come. They wouldn't let me in the circle with the women, and I had to sit over in the in the, in the, in the living room and listen. To, uh, you know, I was an outsider. I was a man. They wouldn't let me in a woman's Bible study. But I wanted to hear what she was teaching from Brother Hagin's book because you understand at that time, I, didn't have, I only had like three or four Brother Hagin's books. I, I mean, I had very little access to the faith message. So I went, and then one, one of the girl, ladies there, husband, Carl Avon, found out I'm going, so he shows up. Well, she, well, Judy starts preaching on tongues. And Carl stood up in the meeting and challenged her and said, that's not God. And when he jumped on her, I jumped on him. I said, well, let me tell you something. You sit down and shut up. Now, you understand, if you think I'm rough now, oh, I am like polished. I said, let me tell you something. You sit down and you shut up. I said, the Bible says if you don't speak in tongues, you're not even saved. And I let him have it with both barrels. Well, we, him and I tore that Bible study up. Strife. There was enough strife to kill a mule in that room when we got finished. He left home, went home mad. All the women went home mad. I went home mad. Everybody's mad. And we're sitting there listening to this Baptist talking about how tongues is of the devil. When I got home and I looked at Judy, I said, I'm going to go pray for this Baptist. And I went home that night and I got on my knees and, the, the, and I said, Father, you saw what happened with that Baptist. And the Lord said, you mean my son? I said, no, sir. <laughs> I said, no, sir, I'm talking about the Baptist. It's a true story. I said, um, no, sir. I'm talking about that Baptist. He said, you're referring to my son? I went, no. And I read to God in the Bible that those who believe speak in tongues. I said, he don't speak in tongues. He's not even a believer. He said, well, he is my son. And he said, and I want you to go to his house and apologize. I said, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I did. I'm, I just think this is the devil. Finally, it dawned on me, oh, my God. And I, you have no idea how much I, I wrestled with that. I'm right doctrinally. You can be right and wrong. And so I had made a plaque. So when I wanted to learn scriptures, I took pine and I wrote it out in pencil, and I took a wood burner, and I would wood burn the whole scripture into the piece of wood and use it as art in my house and put my scriptures around my house by burning them with a wood burner. He said, I want you to take that and give it to Carl. I went, no. <laughs> and that, I mean, that God really, I mean, God really 
showed me that day that they, just because people don't agree with me don't mean they're not saved. Well, I went to his house, and I prayed all the way there that he wouldn't be home. I really, really did. I, I, I mean, you have never seen anybody walk up to a door so slow. You thought I was getting married. Oh, this was. And I knocked. And he opened the door and I went, oh, God. I said, Carl. God told me to come apologize to you. Oh, you, you know, y'all know what humble pie tastes like. You ever eat two slices of it? Man, it is like, oh, my God. And I said, um, God actually told me you were his son. He said, I am. I said, I said, well, I brought you a gift, and I asked you to forgive me. He says, I have. Well, he came back to the Bible study the next week. And got filled with the Holy Ghost. And he went to Ramah. Y'all have, God has one crazy sense of humor, does he not? Now, why did I tell you this whole story to begin with? I don't even know why now. What was I talking about? Zach wasn't even paying any attention. We're, we're, talk, we're talking about honor. There, there's a lot of people who disagree with you and I doctrinally. It does not mean that we're not to revere them. You can disagree with someone and say, I don't agree with you doctrinally. You can preach, I don't agree with you doctrinally. Paul did that. Peter did that with each other. And so God takes that, well, I don't agree with that, and this is what I say the Bible says, and you're perfectly. But not that you don't have the right to trash the person. And this preacher trashed Copeland, and he was down. And he, he was out of ministry. And the Lord took me home from school one day and said, I don't want you to go to school today. I missed one day at Raymond. He said, stay home. I wasn't sick. Never, I wasn't sick the whole time I was there. Never got even got a cold. I turned on the television, and I'm watching this preacher, and the Lord said, he's going to fall. I said, no, sir. He said, he most certainly is. He says, but the re he got caught in a girly bar. He says, that's not the reason he fell. He said, I took my hand off of him. He said, if I take my hand off you, you can't even resist a girl. You see, we're walking by grace. You, you, you are, if you've made it this far, there's grace on you. You didn't get yourself here. And you need to remember that you're only one reason you're here, and it's him. And, and so, so he's, and I said, well, I said, well, why are you showing me this? He said, well, you have tendencies to say things about people you need to shut up. And I'm going, oh, shoot. This was like a lesson to me not to be like him. Oh, don't, don't think I haven't wanted to say something. I remember that TV show, Father. I will never say that. All right. You too. Very dangerous, very dangerous. 
Mark 6, go there, and I want to tell you a story. And I'm just, I want to give you enough stories to give you some kind of an idea of why I'm doing this. There, there are people of greater and lesser, there are men and women who walk in a, a degree of authority in the earth. God does not haphazardly pick pastors. You will, you will walk with God and you will do what he says before he will place his anointing on you and give you a job. When you are in a church and there's a man God put in there, he gave that man the ability to run that church and he didn't give it to you. And what you're saying when you dishonor him is I don't trust you, God. I'm smarter than you are because you made a mistake. If God put a man there, pray for him, but you're not the boss. That man rises and falls. You'd be surprised that when I've gotten off, how fast God will deal with me. I mean, I am scared of God. I've had times when he has called me on the carpet and said, you will change and change now or else. So you don't need to worry about me since you're so by God holy. Some of the people you're chasing left this church because they disobeyed God, not because I ran them off. And quit compromising the Bible when you talk to them. Look at them and say, when are you going to do what the Lord says? Quit blaming people for where you are. That's American way. It's a, boy, I want to get on that one, and I better just be quiet. When God puts someone in office, he puts Doug Bankston in that office. He puts other men of God around this city in that office. I leave that alone. That's, that's none of my concern. I went to a meeting one day. I got called by uh, someone over me in the Lord. And they said, we're going to have a meeting and we want you to be here. And I got in my truck and drove two hours. And I walked into the church, and the, and the, the, the secretary uh, looked at me and said, what are you doing here? And I said, I came for the meeting. She goes, okay, well, the, the pastor will be here in a little while. Well, he shows up a half an hour late. You call me to a meeting. Don't you come walking in on me 30 minutes late. I'm not chopped liver either. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I forgot to call you. Um, yeah, the meeting was canceled, and I forgot to call you. And I went. Okay, do, you, do y'all know what? That's just flat out rude. And then I drove two more hours back. That, that, that's, that's, you walk away and go, that is just downright dishonorable and wrong. Oh, I forgot to call you. Anyway, you want a bottle of water before you go? Yeah, thank you. I'll take one of steak too while you're at it. Lisa says, why don't you do, I said, no, 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 give, I'm going to give the man the benefit of the doubt and pray over him. But listen, you need to watch the way you treat people. When Mary Friend comes, let's talk about this a minute. One day she shows up out there in the foyer and the ushers were going, hi, Mary Friend, hi, Mary Friend, hi, Mary Friend. She walked in my office and she said something to me. She said, is there no one in this church that can get my bags? 
I said, yes, ma'am. She said, never again. I had to pull my ushers in and have a talk with them. And you know what? Some of them didn't like it. Of course, you heard about it, how mean I was. When you have someone like Mary Friend pull up in a car, you don't sit there and wave at her. You go get her stuff. You say, well, that's not my job. Get it anyway. If she don't have an umbrella, you find an umbrella. And you take it. When you, and when she's in my office, you don't come in there and talk to her. Let me say it a different. Run in your mouth. She'll listen to you. And then when you leave, she's going to chew me out. You let that kind of stuff go on in your church? What are you doing? Are you all out there? So if someone here and it goes to get her, I go, you, you pick her up and you leave her alone. Amen. You, we, listen, this is a prophet. This is a woman of God. She's coming in here to pray. She's not in here to chat with you. And when she's up here on the front row, leave her alone. Don't come up and give her a hug. She don't want to be hugged. That's why we put ushers there on the corners so you guys won't be grabbing her and hugging her. Thank you all. That goes for Mark and Trina unless they open it up. Listen, these guys travel. They're in a church constantly preaching. They, they, rest time is valuable to these people. They live out of a suitcase. They live in a hotel. They get up. They come. They preach. And, and, and you know, they're not our buddies. They're here in on, on assignment, and we're going to revere them, and we're going to honor them, and we're even going to show up to the meetings. That's a man God sent. That represents the Lord. Thank you all. I got deeper in this than I thought I was going to get. What do you think about that, Daryl? Well, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Went over to a lady's house one day, and her husband was talking to her. Went over there concerned, and she wanted some prayer. And I, I, I took my time and stopped at her house and went in, her, her and her husband in there. Teenage son, about 16 years old, said, hey, old fart. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I went... <laughs> Right. And they all thought, that's funny. You know what I thought? There ain't a thing I can do here. I can't help you one bit. They told me about all their financial problems, and I went, well, I'll pray with you about it. And I did. I, I took it to God. I said, Father, be merciful. And I left, and I walked out, and I said, that boy was being a state penitentiary. And before he was 18, he was in the pen, and he's in the pen now. Are y'all out there or do you go home? I don't know where people get this idea that all of that kind of stuff is okay. It's, it's not. When we're having a church service and a worship service, don't sit here and talk. And don't go in out of that door and bang it. It's a worship service, y'all. We're worshiping God. It's not our fault you're late and can't get out of bed. There's a book out by John Bevere called The Fear of the Lord, and I'm not going to get into it right now. I would love to. You should read it. About he was in a church when they were talking during the announcements and people up on the and people up talking, and the Holy Ghost left. By the way, I'm going to tell you one more. I'm going to tell you my story. I got four minutes. Actually, one. But I have one minute in grace. 
because even Baptists are Christians. When I was at Tom's church, God, Tom let me t make announcements. And Betty would remember this, I think. I don't know anybody else in here who would remember it. Lisa would remember it. And I got up, and the Spirit of God came on me to pray for the sick. And when it comes on me, it feels like a navy peacoat soaked in water. It's extremely heavy. It's heavy on me. And he said, I want you to pray for the sick. Well, during, during the worship service, people were talking. And all of a sudden, he went, and left. And I, when you're in the spirit, you can pick up his attitude. And it was, and he was not happy. And he spoke inside me and said, you tell them to repent of their attitude and I'll come back. If not, I will not. And I'm like, I'm only making the announcements. That's why I watched Josh Brown real close, you know. And I stood up and I said, Holy Ghost just left. And he ain't coming back. And everybody in that church got on their knees right there and, and, and repented. And he came back on me and, and he started healing people all over the building. Uh, I'm, you want, you know, let me tell you one reason I'm preaching this. Have you noticed his absence in this church? I want you to notice it. Until reverence gets back into the church, God is God. He's not playing a game with us. He wants you to take the Bible and the men of God and what he calls church and you take it serious. I can tell you, by the way, people act whether they'll get healed before they ever get up here. If you're not doing what he says, you're just going to fall on the floor. I think I have one more scripture. I have two more, actually. I'm going to quote one. Go to Proverbs 1. In Mark 6, 4, it says, Jesus could do no mighty work because of their unbelief, and they said, well, he's just the carpenter. And it says a prophet is without honor except in his own. There was no honor for God, and so there was no move of God. If you're not getting your prayers answered, you might want to go back and go, how am I doing, God? Let me read this, Proverbs 1. If you go quiet on me, I'm all right with it. Proverbs one twenty, wisdom calls aloud and she raises her voice in the open square and she cries out in the chief concourses at the opening of the gate in the city. She speaks her words. How long will you simple ones love simplicity and scorners delight in scorning for fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. I'll talk to you because you called. I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and you didn't regard it. You disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I'm going to laugh at your calamity and I'll mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction like a whirlwind and distress and anguish come upon you, you'll call on me. I'm not going to answer you. 
You'll seek me diligently. You're not going to find me because you hated knowledge and you did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they'll eat the fruit of their own ways and be filled with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. And whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. To honor God is to carry out his wishes and to please him. That's what honor is. Now, you'll notice I'm just reading the Bible. I'm not even preaching. What I just read is actually in your Bible. I, I, I believe the reason the Lord is asking me to preach this is what? When we were with Dr. Varallo, she made a statement. She said, there's coming a sharp turn in the next three months. And if you don't turn, you will not make it through the times ahead. We need a church where people wake up on Sunday morning and they come in full of God. You know more Bible than you are living. You've forgotten more than most people have ever heard. He has told us to be filled with the Spirit. Not just when someone's singing a song to you and you arrive and I can't keep pumping you every Sunday morning to get in fellowship with God. Come in full of God. Come in worshiping God. Come in giving Him glory. Come in giving Him honor. You want to see a move of God? You are the move of God. You're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. He's waiting on churches. We know this. How many tapes do you have? How many CDs have you listened to? How many preachers have you been listening to for 20, 30 years? We're we're either one year or two or three from the rapture. And you hadn't made up your mind yet whether you even want to go to church or not. What are you going to do when you get to heaven? Take off a week and go to hell for a while for vacation? I mean, I hope God's not boring you that bad. Let me get a little deeper. Sometimes when Lisa's up there and we turn around and people are in the worship. Stay home. <laughs> if you're, I, I, don't even come. I mean, just stay home. You're going to come during the worship and just stare at the ceiling. I mean, there's better things to do. If you're going to go to hell, have fun going. I mean, go, go get some dope and smoke it and get a beer and get drunk. Don't come to church. <laughs> and stare at the ceiling during a worship service. This went a little different than I thought. Does this bear witness with y'all? I believe that a church should be so vibrant and so full of the glory of God. I think we ought to wake up on Sunday morning and go, God is Sunday. I love you, Father. 
I can't wait to get down there and hear what you have to say. Holy Spirit, move today. Use the pastor. Use the... Just go down and spend time with you and give you glory and honor. And quit looking at the clock because you have somewhere to be. Doing nothing. I'm going to say it again. There's not a sandy beach on this planet that died for your sins. Why are you trying to get a spiritual answer from a natural? That's, that's called backsliding. When I went to Ray, my brother Hagen said, Sunday morning only Christians are, are backsliding. I hate to think, what do you think now? That was back when people went to church Sunday and morning and night, and they loved it. And Wednesday night. You don't have anything to do more important than that. When he calls you, you say, yes, sir, be there. Let's go. Revere your Bible. Revere God. Revere the things of God. Nobody can do that for you but you. You're the only one that can make that decision. Now, we'll talk about honoring each other maybe later. Children. Honor your parents. Honor those in authority. Honor one another. The way you treat each other is big to God. God don't like people mistreating you. He takes it personal. People mistreat you, don't fight them. God sees it. And he'll repay them. But we're going to get to a place where we, we have a church here so full of God so full of, the church is full of God when you're full of God amen okay I went over I want to make sure I'm right in every way I can Lisa hates it when I do that she just a little Catholic boy came in my office the other day and I found out he wasn't born again and I called Kenny and I said get him saved and he did he said my priest he, he never said this. I said, well, he's not saved. And that was a shock to everybody. I said, he's not even a Christian son. Isn't God good? The way you treat the things of God is your attitude toward God. That is your attitude toward him. You cannot say, I love the Lord, and you don't love the Bible in church. That you're wrong. That you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. You ready to pray? Father, what a wonderful night. I, I ask you before I got in here with all of my heart that you keep giving me these messages. And they're, they're in nature are like we need to make adjustments. And, and I believe that you're calling your church, not just this one, your whole church in America to make adjustments. We have the greatest nation on this earth. We have the best preachers that have ever walked the planet. We have more of the things of God than any nation that's ever had, and we do less with it than anyone. I pray that we begin to make a change here. You're requiring more out of you said in the word to whom much is given. Much is required. I believe you're requiring more from us than we, than we even imagine. 
requiring a greater love walk out of us, a greater separation from the world out of us, and a a greater being full of God, the Holy Ghost out of us, and a greater respect for the Word of God and the things of God. We, We have to make this choice, Father. You can't make it for us. But I pray everybody in the sound of my voice will go home tonight and go, thought-provoking, wasn't that not? (laughs) All of us need to make adjustments. We all need to make adjustments. Father, we do honor you. I'll not bring you second class. I'll not give you the worst of the week or the worst of the money. I won't do it. I pray everybody in this room feels the same way I do. You're a great king, you're a great God, and you deserve all the glory and all of the honor. And I pray our lives would show that in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.